You're listening to the Hippie Haven Podcast, where we have real-life conversations about all things hippie, from veganism to zero waste to tiny living and everything in between. I'm your host, Callie. I'm a nomadic entrepreneur traveling the United States in a van with a mission of encouraging people to live an ethical and eco-friendly lifestyle. With this podcast, I want to show you how easy it can be to take small steps that make a big difference in saving our planet. Let's get started. This episode of the Hippie Haven podcast is brought to you by The Sustainable Switch, an online zero-waste store that offers stainless steel straws, three-in-one metal utensils, and reusable snack and produce bags. They also sell in bulk, so if you run a business or organization looking for sustainable alternatives, check them out. Use my discount code, a hippie in a van. that's A-H-I-P-P-I-E-I-N-A-V-A-N, to save 10% off your order over $15, or 10% off your bulk order of 50-plus items. Visit thesustainableswitch.com to shop now. Today I'm chatting with Erin Curtis, who is a member of our Hippie Haven Facebook group. We talk about her vegan pregnancy, natural home birth, raising her daughter without producing any waste, bringing her daughter to slaughterhouse protests, and so much more. So Erin, tell me about your journey into sustainability. Uh, so I guess it really started... Um with, with my journey to veganism. So I started my transition, uh, in March of 20, sorry, 2014. And that was after watching the documentary Cowspiracy and kind of seeing the impact that the animal agriculture industry had on our environment. Um, prior to that, I was definitely a like anti-littering, um, try and recycle. Like I was definitely not, um, specifically focused on low waste or zero waste, but I was definitely, would be considered more environmental than the average person. Um, and as I sort of transitioned through veganism, it sort of became a process of trying to better myself and, and my life and, okay, great, now I've done this, what can I do that's more? And that's what sort of led me to um, the sort of zero waste, low waste uh, kind of lifestyle. And you have a daughter. How old is she? She's 11 months. Oh, almost a whole year. That is so exciting. What was it like to have a vegan pregnancy? Um, I mean, for the most part, it was great. It, um, like, health-wise, it was amazing. I, like, I didn't really need to, to supplement beyond the standard prenatals and, and stuff like that. I, like, I, I actually had a home birth. Um, so that, that, I guess that speaks to the, how healthy it was. Um, and, and I guess what I personally liked about the idea of the home birth is, um, there's lots of discussion of how the medical um, community obviously creates a lot of waste. And, and of course, lots and lots of it is absolutely necessary. Um, but it was great that for me personally, a lot of the stuff that was used, um, like in terms of cleanup around my house, we, we just used towels and, and we were able to throw them in the washing machine. And we now use them like as cleanup rags and dog towels and stuff like that around the house. Um, so that was kind of a nice uh, bonus to, to having the home birth was that we, we definitely noticed that there was a lot less waste produced than than even just when I when I've seen other people in the hospital. What was some of the waste that you weren't able to avoid in having a home birth? Uh, so a lot of things like um, like the caps on the, uh, the thermometers and um, obviously like various needles and stuff like that. I like there there's also um there there I'm trying to think of what they're called they're they're like a medical 
pad, but they're, they're meant to be absorbent. But we put them on our couch because that was we like I birthed in the living room. So we wanted to make sure that the couch was protected. Um, so we did use a sheet over top of those, but that was the, they are disposable. So there was kind of a limit there because um, there's only so much I can do to clean off my couch. <laughs> Um, but yeah, like it, it, there's, it's mostly from what I saw, like sanitary stuff. And that's, um, where I think there's a kind of always that discussion in the, in the zero waste community of like, yeah, there is a limitation when it comes to certain medical needs because yeah, certain, certain medical things do need to be sanitary. The, the, the needle that you inject into my moments old daughter, I, I would like to see it come out of a fresh package. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> now, did you have any cravings for non-vegan food while you were pregnant? I actually didn't. Um, that was, and that's, that's something that I've, I've got a lot of questions about. I think probably in part because I was far enough into my vegan journey, like it had, it had been two and a half years before I became pregnant that I had been vegan. So like I was already, I was really into it and, and I knew what to eat and, and how to sort of supplement certain um, flavors that I liked. Um, but, but to be honest, I think sort of a byproduct of the vegan pregnancy meant that a lot of my cravings were like, like fresh fruits and veggies. And, and I actually, it became a sort of ongoing joke between my partner and I, that there were certain things that while vegan aren't good for you and and maybe have food food ingredients or or preservative ingredients in them that that perhaps aren't the best um that that my unborn daughter was able to tell me yeah no that doesn't make me feel good um so so I don't know if that was the vegan pregnancy or or just the fact that I was eating more fresh foods but it it definitely helped my cravings be things like like strawberries and um and like like fresh crisp fruits. And how do you raise your daughter and not produce any waste now? So I, I guess that the biggest one is diapers. Um, there's you know I I'm pretty sure diapers don't disappear. If if I could be wrong, um, but we use cloth diapers for my daughter. Um, and and one of the main decisions that we made because uh, cloth diapering is kind of becoming a little bit more popular now, which is really great, but. Um, what I'm noticing is the systems that are more popular are these like all-in-one or pocket diapers, which basically look exactly like the disposable option, but are made of cloth. And therefore you still need to have a pretty significant number of them. And then, you know, you can use them for all the, as many kids as you have, or you could resell them, but they don't really have a use beyond being a diaper. Whereas the system that we chose to go with um, is the, the super old school um, like just a square piece of fabric that you fold around the baby. And then instead of using like a safety pin, uh, they have what are now called like a diaper cover. And it's basically got like, um, a waterproof lining on the inside. And then the outside is just fabric. And you just like, you can button it on over top of that piece of fabric. And what we like is when my daughter's out of diapers, that piece of fabric is then going to become, whether it's something to clean up spills with or to dust with, because it's actually a really nice soft fabric. Um, and then instead of using wipes, which have all sorts of yucky chemicals and, and um, plastics and stuff in them, we also use, we use face, face cloths for that to, to, to wipe her bum. Um, so that's, I guess that's a big way that we reduce waste. 
yeah, so that that's just a, a, one of the the big ways that we reduce um, her waste is is not that sort of constant um, throwing stuff in the garbage because we changed her diaper. I'm not really sure what age is she at the age where she's starting to transition into solid foods, or are you still breastfeeding exclusively? So she's still mostly breastfed, um, but she's definitely interested in solid foods. So we have definitely introduced those, um, and and I guess that that I, I know that's where a lot of people um, start to struggle with the cloth diapering is when solid foods are introduced. Have you gotten any negative feedback from family or friends about wanting to raise your daughter vegan? For the most part, we haven't. Um, and I think a big reason is both my partner and I are vegan. Um, and we both were pretty picky eaters growing up. Um so I think with with especially family members that were felt like they were constantly trying to encourage us to eat healthy, they're now seeing what we eat regularly, you know, the kind of food that we bring with us when we're traveling. And they it, I think it's kind of become hard for them to to ha- to take issue with that. Um, like my partner, for example, was not really a salad person. If, you know, he were to eat salad, it would be because he was said, you know, take some salad, have some salad with your dinner. Um, whereas now he eats salad without dressing. So I think people see, like, especially like a close family and friends seeing that, it's like, okay, well, clearly that's your plan with with, with your daughter. So that's, that's been, um, I think that's kept most people at bay. And what's your plan for the future to talk to your daughter about why her friends eat animals and she doesn't? I think um, the, the biggest thing I want her to understand is because I want I want her to have a really strong sense of empathy, and I want her to understand that they they don't fully understand um, what's what's going on, and and even if they do, maybe there, there's there's some reason where they're not able to. Um, I've there's been a discussion of like sort of referring to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, um, and the idea that if if somebody doesn't have a lot of their basic needs met. They can't think outside of their own personal circle in terms of compassion. So it makes sense that there are lots of humans on the planet that are really, really hurting and don't have their needs being met, that of course they can't extend their circle of compassion to animals. So I I want my daughter to understand that. Um, But at the same time, I I spend a fair amount of time volunteering with um, a couple, like with animal rights groups. Um, And so my daughter already has spent a fair amount of time outside of slaughterhouses. Uh, So she's going to have a pretty strong understanding of, of why she eats the way that she does. And I'm hoping that that will encourage her to, to maybe ask her, her friends and and family members that the tough questions. So on the topic of zero waste, what's been the hardest part about reducing your family's waste overall? The hardest part is definitely convenience. Um, it's, first of all, like with where we live, like I live um, in, in a pretty large city, but I also live really close to um, like the city of Toronto. So everything's all about convenience and go, go, go. And it's like, I, I, I definitely get resistance sometimes with like, oh, can I use my container or can I can I not have the straw or could, like, no, it's okay. I don't need the napkins. I'm, I'm going right home to my house where I can clean up after myself there. Um, so, so I find that's kind of um, a, a challenge, I suppose. 
Um, and, and then, and then just being busy, you know, like we've got, we're, we've got jobs, we've got uh, my daughter, we've got animals. Um, like we're, we're actually in the process of renovating a house that's about four hours away. So we, we've got a lot on the go. So it's, it's, I think like a lot of people that sort of convenience excuse. Yeah. I was just looking at your, um, homestead renovation on Instagram and that looks like such a huge project. Um, can you give me some background on like how that renovation is going and why you guys decided to take on such a big project? So um, my partner, it, like he, he's the one with all the skills. He that this is this is his niche and his background. Um, so that's that's a big part of why we're able to do what we are able to do. Um, but uh, the big push for us was um, we wanted to live differently. Like we we didn't want to lock in a mortgage for the next 25 years, but actually have a mortgage until the day we die and our children inherit our mortgage. Um, we, but we also wanted to live in a way where we can be more sustainable. And, and we knew that where we live in the suburbs, that really wasn't realistic. It's, it's super expensive to live here. Um, so that's why we chose to, to look for something so far away um, and, and then also, you know, we, we got to save a little bit on our mortgage because my, my partner has amazing, um, skills that, that mean that he can walk into a house that maybe doesn't look the nicest and, and say, that's okay. We can fix this. This, this isn't a huge deal. We can remedy this. Um, and then actually follow through and do it without us having to, um, to, to, to call in a, a renovations company to, to do all the work for us. So it's, it's been an adventure. Um, and I'm actually, uh, to tonight after we're, we're done talking, I'm, I'm getting I'm everything packed up so that my daughter and I can leave very early in the morning to head out there for another weekend of work. So it's it's a go, go, go at the moment. That is so cool. How have you been able to limit um, the amount of waste that's going into a landfill as you renovate? Because I know that home renovations and home building in general produces so much waste. So how are you guys avoiding that? So the biggest thing for us has been... Um, like what do we actually need to take out versus what can stay? So for example, um, in the living room, the, the previous owner thought it would be an awesome idea to make like the top half of the wall, this like really deep textured, um, like putty type of, anyway, it wasn't the nicest and he painted it yellow. So I, I kind of toyed with different options of like, okay, how can we make this look nicer for us to live in? Without, you know, looking at, you know, everything that everybody said online, which was basically just remove all of the drywall and install new and, and start over, which wasn't really what we wanted to do. One, because I did some research and, and apparently drywall is not vegan. So we were like, okay, if we can avoid buying new, that would be great. Um, but two, because like, let's not, if, if it's, it was in good shape. So what we ended up doing was we just painted over it and it does look much better. Um and then our intention with, in terms of putting stuff in, is to try and find secondhand. So yesterday I went to um, Habitat for Humanity Restore, which I, I don't know if you've heard of that, but it's um, it's a store that they basically have people can donate or stores will bring in um, basically product that they can't sell or secondhand like construction or homeware stuff. So I just got a bathroom faucet and um, like shower head set that Home Depot couldn't sell. So rather than going to Home Depot and purchasing a brand new one, I got this one that's in the box and still has all the packaging. 
um, without creating that demand for for a brand new one when this one was perfectly fine. So that's we try to seek out uh, maybe a less common way to find materials whenever possible, rather than just going to the store or looking online and trying to buy something new. I had no idea that drywall wasn't vegan. What sort of animal product is in it? I'm not 100% sure. Like everything that I found was kind of iffy about like just all the companies they contacted couldn't be super specific. But my understanding is it's something in like the powder compound, um, whether it's a binding or it like, to be honest, it could even be bone char. But but yeah, when when we found that out, like my partner's not a huge fan of drywall. It's it's super finicky to work with anyway, and it it's really messy. So when he found that out, he said, "Great, let's just not use any drywall." <laughs> so that made that decision easy. That is crazy. I would have had no idea. I'm definitely gonna have to do research into that, and I will add it into the show notes for this episode for anybody who's interested in knowing about drywall and whether there's vegan options or. Um, any sort of eco-friendly alternative to it. Definitely, definitely. There's there's a lot of things like that that you would never you would never realize it until you you look and then you're like, "Oh, wow, that's why why are you using that?" But we all know it's because there's so many byproducts available. Yeah, I didn't know until just recently that um, some sugars aren't vegan because they use bone char. I was like, "What? Why? Like why is that even necessary?" Now, is your partner right there with you in your zero waste journey or are you kind of leading the effort at home? Uh, yes and no. Um, he, it, it's funny. I think we both have very different interests. He's definitely very um, environmentally focused like I am. Um, and he, in ter- like in terms of the renovation, like he's definitely more on board with with getting stuff secondhand. And I think that probably comes from his expertise too and knowing what you can reuse and what is worth getting new. Um, now in terms of like always bringing containers and stuff, that's that's a little bit different. I mean, he does work outside of the house five days a week right now and I don't. Um, so that's also different. But then we joke that he has way more knowledge about all the different plastics and what's recyclable and what's not. And that's knowledge that he's had for a really long time. So I, I'd like to think that our different interests complement each other. So I saw on Instagram that you also do small container gardening. What tips can you give about growing your own food at home? Uh, the biggest one is grow what you eat. Grow what you eat every day. Grow, grow what you eat constantly. Um, I, I When I first got into gardening, I got kind of carried away with like, oh, that looks fun. And oh, like, let's do this. And grow what you eat. <laughs> um, and in terms of zero waste, I like this year recently started growing from scraps, which it is rewarding like gardening, but in a whole new level because it almost feels like you got it for free. Um, I've last night um, harvested the third batch of potatoes that I've harvested from what were potatoes that started sprouting in, in the bottom drawer of, of my... Uh, my root vegetable container. So it it was, those were potatoes that, you know, this time last year I would have thrown out Well, I would have composted them, but I would not have got anything out of them other than soil. And instead I just cut them up and, and I put them in, in the containers and you do have to keep on top of watering them, especially on the really, really hot days. And that was something that I really committed to. Um, but it, it was so rewarding the first time I, I dug up 
potatoes that were exactly like the potatoes I'd put in the ground just without the the sprouts coming out of them. That is so cool. I try to grow a couple herbs in my van, but that's about the extent of what I'm able to do. Um, definitely someday when I have a little house again, I want to to be able to garden and grow most of my own veggies. So you have vegan and zero waste pets. What pets do you have and how do you maintain that lifestyle with them? So we have two bunnies and then we have a dog. Um, so with the bunnies, they they eat hay, which we um, we actually drive. I mean, it's, it's, it's on the way to my dad's place, but it's only about 10 minutes north of the city um, to like a farm supply type store. And, and we buy it in a big bale and it works out to be about $13 for the bale. And yes, it is big and you do need somewhere to store it. Uh, but when you look at like the plastic bags of hay that you buy in the pet store that are, you know, like 20 bucks for a fraction of the amount, it's definitely well worth it. And then all the hay comes in, like the bale comes in is um, like this bright blue twine that is tied around it which we then are able to use, um, you know, like if, if we have a big storm and sticks fall down, we can bundle those up and we can put those out on the curb for the city to collect them. Um, and then the bunnies also eat when we're cutting up stuff for vegetables, like they eat any of the cutoff ends, we throw those in a bowl and bring them outside for them. Um, and then most of the produce that we purchase at the store for them, we like it, I sort of go out of my way to select stuff that doesn't come in plastic packaging because the bunnies don't care if there's a little bit of dirt on the celery that I pull out of the the grocery store shelf because I'm going to then put it on the ground in their hutch outside and they're still going to eat it. Um, and then in terms of our dog, we, we make his food. Um, and now that I think about it, I'm, yep, almost every single one of his ingredients in his food we get from like a bulk store. So, um, he's he's pretty low waste too and then his um the the bags for his uh waste when we take him for walks is uh the compostable bags so we there's there's lots of little choices that that we make that um we try to reduce the waste with our pets so you mentioned earlier volunteering with animal rights organizations so let's talk about activism what are some small ways that people can advocate for the cause of their choice via animal rights or environmentalism um, without even really having to try like what are what are passive ways to be an activist so the biggest thing I always um, say to people is like use your strengths so if if you're an artist like draw or paint or, or whatever it is that like use, use something that you're already passionate about. If you're somebody who likes to write, use that. Um, I think sometimes a lot of people see what somebody else is doing and think that they have to emulate exactly that in order to be effective. When in reality, that person, while they're reaching lots of great people and what they're doing is amazing. There are certain people they're not reaching because they're not you. Um, so I think it's important to, to, to understand that, that there's probably lots of little things that, you know, lots of us post online. So if you're already posting online, there's probably some, something about that that you enjoy, that you can just sort of share what it is that's important to you. And what are the organizations that you volunteer with? So the, the main one um, is the, the sort of overarching organization is the SAVE movement. Um, and I'm one of the co-organizers with one of their chapters, which is the Brampton Chicken Save. 
Um, so I, I do my best to, to help my co-organizers, um, with, with vigils and, and various events. And, and then also with like the social media side. Um, so basically what we do is we stand outside of local slaughterhouses and, and it's sort of a multifaceted, um, reason why we're there. One, we want to ensure that people realize what is there because oftentimes where slaughterhouses are situated, um, they're, they're kind of hidden, like they're sort of hidden in plain sight. Um, so we, we want to make sure that people realize exactly what's going on. Um, and especially in Brampton, the numbers are quite staggering so that we want them to realize the numbers. Um, and then we also, when the, when we have the opportunity, we like to bear witness to the chickens and that has a couple different, um, benefits. One is we, we give the chickens a moment of compassion, um, and, and especially with the, the chickens that are coming into the two facilities in Brampton, they're, they're both coming from like mass agriculture, um, facilities. So, you know, that they haven't experienced any sort of level of compassion at any point in their 38 to 45 days of life. Um, so the first and foremost, we're there to, to extend compassion to them. Um, and then we're also there to collect footage so that people are able to see like, this is, this is what's happening here in our own backyard. And, and I found even for me personally, that when you share something that you personally have captured, like your own footage versus something that you've reposted from someone else, it, it can have a different type of impact on your friends and family. Have you experienced any negativity? from doing it? Has it affected like your mental health or have you had any sort of anxiety from it? So I've, I've always done my very best, um, at at trying to be very clear with my own limits and knowing where my line is. Um, for the most part. And I think because when I was, had the time to get really involved, I was pregnant. Um, I was really conscious of like, there's no point in me getting worked up. It's not good for me. It's not good for my baby. Um, so that was always a really nice reminder at that point. And then now I have my daughter with me and I certainly don't want to get worked up and, and yell around her. Um, so I think that's, it's a nice little reminder that of course not everybody has. Um, but I think the biggest thing is to try and remember, like to see this part, like if, if you're, if you're interacting with somebody that maybe is being a bit more negative, see them as like your friend or family member see them like because they to somebody they are they are a person they deep down maybe not even deep down they are a good person um so I I try to kind of hold on to that um and when when all else fails I I just smile and and say I hope you have a good day because sometimes the negativity is too much and I have to decide for myself you know what we need to end this conversation and there are some people where I have to say like no, please have a, have a great day. I hope you have a nice day. And I have to say it a couple of times for them to realize that I'm wanting the conversation to end. Um, but I do think it's important for anybody that's doing any sort of interacting with the public like that, that you need to set that limit for yourself because that's so important for your your mental and sometimes physical well-being for, for you to set that limit. Yeah, I can't imagine how rough that would be. I've seen the videos online, but I've never participated in anything like that myself. Um because I know that I'd just ball my eyes out if I went and, and did something like that and saw them um, being led to their deaths. That That's just terrible. But it's amazing that you get out there and, and you do that work. Um, 
for people who aren't comfortable going to that level, aren't comfortable to, or don't even have the option, you know, they don't have slaughterhouses near them um, for whatever reason that that isn't something that they're able to participate in. Is there any other form of um, non-passive, not the opposite of aggressive per se, but other forms of strong activism that they can participate in? Absolutely. There's, there's both, both online and in person. Um, You can, there, there's definitely lots of events um, that that aren't related specifically to slaughterhouses, but that are definitely related to the death of animals. Think things like rib fests or fishing festivals. Um, those are definitely places where if you have a group of people and you feel comfortable, um, you could you could definitely peacefully protest. I I personally don't. Um, encourage super aggressive protesting but i also appreciate that there is a time and a place for for those types of of protests um but yeah if somebody's looking to start out and then they don't necessarily have a slaughterhouse nearby there's definitely unfortunately animal exploitations happening all over the place well see now i'm not sure how to transition from talking about sad stuff to <laughs> i have my next question and i'm like hmm So on a little bit of a more cheerful note, um, what is your all-time favorite vegan recipe? Oh boy, that's, I'm so torn. Okay, I'm going to, because it's super simple, I'm going to go with this one. Um, I believe it's Minimalist Baker. This is bad. I should, I'm pretty sure it's Minimalist Baker um, and she calls them YOLOs. And if it's not her, whoever it is calls them YOLOs. Um, But they're basically peanut butter and dates and you blend those up in a blender and then you roll them in balls and you throw them in the freezer and then however you want to make chocolate whether you want to do like a coconut oil um maple syrup and like cocoa powder mix for like a healthier raw chocolate or if you want to just melt chocolate chips um but then you you roll the frozen balls in chocolate chips and I'm assuming that they're called YOLOs because you're just going to eat all of them because they they basically they're almost like a peanut butter cup, not quite, um, but but they're definitely a crowd pleaser and they're super quick, easy to make, um, and they don't last any more than you know five six hours in my house. That sounds amazing. I love minimalist baker too. I'm definitely gonna have to look those up. Have you tried her um, her coconut yogurt? That is something that is on my list to try making is my own yogurt um, because I love it. And we we actually, we for a while bought it because we used the containers to store dog food. And then we got to a point where we were like, we now have enough containers to store dog food. So we stopped buying the yogurt. So it's it's on my list to to try it because it's it looks like such an easy but amazing recipe. It was incredibly easy to make. I'm just, I'm not a fan of coconut, so I need to try it with like cashew milk or almond milk or something and see if if I can make a non-dairy yogurt from one of those milk alternatives. But yeah, it was so simple to make. Like I don't, I don't think you can mess it up in any way. It just takes like 24 or 48 hours or whatever to just kind of like turn into yogurt. Yeah, it definitely seems like a super simple recipe and what a great way to, to minimize waste and and still have a, a, a fairly versatile snack. Because the nice thing about yogurt is, you know, you can eat it in sort of the standard I'm eating yogurt ways, but you can also use it in recipes, which is great. What is your number one tip for somebody who's just getting started in their ethical and eco-friendly journey? 
I, I would start in simple ways um, and maybe things that don't seem like a big deal. So like if, if you're looking through all of the different ways, because there's so many lists out there, right, of all the different ways that you can reduce your waste, pick two or three on that list that you're like, okay, that's, that sounds simple or even great, I already kind of do that. Um, I think for a lot of people, like even just the the grocery bags over the last probably 10 years, I've seen such a huge shift of people bringing their own tote bags for their groceries. Um, but I definitely, I think people get wrapped up in, in this perfection thing and, and trying to do it all at once. And I, I think that's, I, I don't think that's sustainable for most people. I think there are, a, there's a certain type of person that can do that, that is, is super motivated and, and can take on that kind of challenge and make a huge shift overnight. But I think most people need to do the gradual change. And I, I make that recommendation with changing to a vegan diet and, and also with low waste, because for most people, you're going to get burnt out and you're going to get discouraged if, if you kind of try and do it overnight, because it's, it's hard. It's, it's hard in, in the society that we live in. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the zero and zero waste can be very daunting and misleading, and I think it's important to remember progress over perfection. So yeah, starting with the the small things is definitely a good idea. Erin, thank you so much for coming on the podcast with me. I appreciate you taking the time. Thank you so much. It was it was awesome chatting with you, and um, I look forward to to hearing your other podcasts and your other guests. Hey guys, Callie here. Thank you so much for listening to the Hippie Haven podcast. Your support means the world to me. If you liked this episode, please subscribe and leave a review in iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. It only takes 60 seconds, but it really helps because reviews influence how easily people can find this podcast in search results. We also have an exclusive community over on Facebook. So if you want to connect with me and other like-minded people, just type Hippie Haven in the Facebook search bar and join our group. Thanks again and stay tuned every Wednesday for the next episode.